In the 1970s and 80s, a monster hunted the Connecticut River Valley. Seven bodies found, one survivor, and no suspects. I'm Jane Borowski, host of Invisible Tears. I was seven months pregnant and stabbed 27 times, and I survived. My story didn't end that frightful night. This attack on me physically and mentally lingered for years. I'm Amanda Bedard, and I'm Jane's life coach and co-host of Invisible Tears. Jane is ready to share her story, and not just about her attack, but her healing process afterwards. As a platform for truth and healing, we are on a mission to help others that suffer from PTSD and help bring awareness to mental health issues. To hear my story and others, you can find Invisible Tears wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Scary Mysteries, Twisted Twos, Operation Paperclip, and John Crutchley. Tales of hauntings, murder, and scary mysteries. Every week, Twisted Twos dives into a pair of uniquely terrifying true stories that are worthy of a more in-depth look. For this week, we check out the post-war operation that brought Nazi scientists onto American soil and the works of a man known as the Florida Vampire Serial Killer. Get ready for Scary Mysteries, Twisted Twos. Number one, Operation Paperclip. Considered one of the most controversial and covert efforts in United States history, Operation Paperclip was a program that involved the transportation of more than 100 Nazi rocket scientists to the United States in 1946. Aside from just the scientists, this also involved securing documents, hardware, technologies, and weapons systems from Germany in order to bring them back to America. The goal was not only to gain more national security, but to also further solidify their dominance as a world power. The program began in 1945. The three great allies, United States, Great Britain, and the Soviet Union, were nearing the end of their relationship. While the goal to defeat the Nazis was the same amongst them, it was clear the three countries had too many differences in their political agenda for them to get along. Soon after, the falling out between former allies did occur in what would become later known as the Cold War. It was clear that although Germany lost the war, they were leading the world when it came to technological war systems and science. After their collapse and defeat, America saw that an opportunity had opened up. Despite the moral cost involving a deal with the devil of sorts, Operation Paperclip was born. It was Major General Hugh Nur, the deputy commander for the strategic force in Europe, that acknowledged and recommended that the U.S. would move backwards if they didn't take the opportunity to seize the apparatus and the brains that Germany had developed. One incident prompted General Henry Hap Arnold to write to the Secretary of War that in the next war, it was crucial for the United States to be the world's first power in military aviation. This was after seeing a crushing defeat when the Germans used only six 262 jets with armed missiles to shoot down 14 enemy B-17s. At the same time, more than 200 secret agents in Germany were reporting the locations of documents and secret facilities created by the Nazis. This included the Hermann Göring Aeronautical Research Institute, 
which was the largest and most sophisticated in the world at the time and was completely unknown to the Allies until it was discovered. While the U.S. government was still weighing their options, the Soviets were already offering German scientists and technicians money and a career without any questions if they moved and served the Soviet government. On September 3, 1946, a top-secret directive from President Harry Truman gave authorization for 1,000 scientists and their families to be brought to the U.S. as long as they didn't have ties to the Nazis. They would be given employment and paid accordingly. The pace was still slow at first, but after the Russians initiated a devious plan of kidnapping 15,000 German scientists, the United States moved up the pace. By 1947, over 1,600 Germans had migrated to the country for work. The Joint Intelligence Objectives Agency, who would oversee the program, bypassed Truman's directive and eventually brought Nazi scientists over as well. The most prominent of these individuals was a man named Werner von Braun, who was known for helping develop the V-2 rocket which destroyed England in the war. Von Braun, along with 104 German rocket scientists, were employed as War Department Special Employees and helped create the U.S. missile and space programs later on. In fact, Von Braun became the director of NASA's Marshall Space Flight Center. It was under his command and direction that the Saturn V rocket, which eventually brought dozens of men and women to the moon, was created. Many argue that if the United States hadn't brought in the Nazi scientists, it would have meant doom during the Cold War. However, those who learn about the project believe it was an appalling moral move by the country since they disregarded the war crimes of the scientists and simply let them off without punishment at all. Number 2. John Crutchley John Crutchley grew up in a well-off family in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. But still, things weren't easy for him. His mother was so distraught at losing John's older sister during a surgery that she constantly hoped her next child would be a girl. When it turned out to be a boy, she was disappointed and forced John to wear girls' clothes up until he was six years old. Growing up, John liked to keep to himself, preferring to tinker with electronics in their home basement instead of going outside and making friends. By the time he was a teen, he earned good money repairing radios and went on to earn a bachelor's degree in physics and a master's degree in engineering administration. After graduating, he worked at General Motors installing new plant security systems. Then after that, he moved to Kokomo, Indiana. It was there in 1969 that his first marriage began breaking apart. He later moved from Kokomo to Fairfax County, Virginia, after his name was tied to an investigation into missing plant security materials. While living in Virginia in the mid-70s, he remarried, and soon several teenagers in the area started to go missing. In 1977, a Fairfax County secretary named Deborah Fitzgerald disappeared. John was immediately a suspect because she was last seen in his trailer home and the two had been dating. Although police questioned him several times, they had no conclusive evidence linking him to the crime. Even after her body was found discarded in a secluded wooded area, John Crutchley was still a free man. Other rash disappearances of women and teenagers were reported close to where John's home was and most of these victims' remains were later found dumped in remote areas as well. In Maryland, around the same time, the Lyon sisters also went missing. Now, many investigators believe John was responsible for that. However, it's never been proven. In late November of 1985, a trucker driving along a road in Malabar, Florida, spotted a nearly nude young woman crawling along the roadside. Her hands and ankles were both handcuffed, 
and she begged the truck driver to not take her back to that house. She pointed to a home in the distance and asked him to note the location. Then he immediately took her home and called police and an ambulance. When asked by authorities, she said she was hitchhiking the day before and a man stopped to offer her a ride, but he said he needed to stop by his home first. Once there, this man asked her to come inside, but she refused and stayed in the car. He then went into the back seat and choked her unconscious. She woke up immobilized and could see a video camera with lights set up. The man repeatedly raped the girl while videotaping the entire process. Afterwards, he carefully inserted needles into her arms and extracted blood. He poured this into a glass and, to her horror, began drinking it. The same process of sexual assault and blood extraction was repeated two more times. The next morning, after the third session, the man handcuffed the girl in the bathroom and told her that if she tried to escape, his brother would kill her. But as soon as the man left the house, the victim squeezed herself out of the bathroom window and managed to crawl her way to the road. At the hospital, it became clear the teen was missing between 40-45% to 45% of her blood. She also had ligature marks on her neck. Doctors said that if she hadn't been found, she would have died from blood loss within just a few hours. Armed with this information and the location of the house, police immediately served a search warrant for John Crutchley's home. Even though he was married at the time, his wife and child were out of the house on a Thanksgiving holiday. Police found evidence corroborating the victim's story, including the video camera, but this had been partially erased when they got there. Police also found inches of credit card stacks, women's jewelry which were noted but not confiscated during the initial search, and these later turned up missing. There were also 72 ID and name cards found belonging to various women. On the back of each card, Crutchley had noted the woman's sexual performances. One of the cards belonged to the teen victim, while another found was that of Deborah Fitzgerald's. Oddly, his wife commented on the assault on the teen, saying it was a gentle rape, devoid of any brutality. She also defended her husband, saying he wasn't guilty, but just a kinky sort of guy. In 1986, John pleaded guilty on kidnapping and rape charges in exchange for dropping the grievous bodily harm charge for extracting the teen's blood. He was sentenced to 25 years in prison with a 50-year parole afterwards, but was released after only 11 years for good behavior. However, he didn't last long outside. He was arrested after breaking his parole the very next day when he was caught with marijuana. Crutchley said he was nervous about being a free man and smoked it to relax. He was thrown back in jail and sentenced to life imprisonment, this time under Florida's three strikes law. This being his third conviction after the kidnapping and the rape of the teen. While serving his prison sentence, John was found dead inside his jail cell on March 30, 2002 with a plastic bag over his head. The coroner ruled that the Florida vampire rapist had died from autoerotic asphyxiation. So there were two of the most controversial and scary stories around. The world can be a crazy place and Twisted Twos is always sure to show you why. If you enjoyed this video, then please remember to give it a thumbs up and subscribe to our channel. We have many new Scary Mysteries videos every single week that we know you'll love. Thanks for watching, and I'll see you next week.